1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive
2: free dessert.
3: Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
2: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point.
4: Hey Sean here with another episode of locked on Raptors and on today's show it is a crossover episode with one of my favorite hosts from the On podcast network is John Corrales from locked on Celtics we've done plenty of shows in the past to tee up Raptors Celtics games and lo and behold the Raptors take on the Celtics again on Wednesday night down at the TD Garden in Boston as the Raptors look for their second win in as many tries in Boston this season we talked through it all with John Corrales what's going on with the Celtics are they broken are they falling apart all that and so much more coming up in just a second.
2: Oh, because like, when I shot it, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of mess. So.
3: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
4: What's going on? Welcome to episode number ten fifty four of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, November the tenth. I'm your host Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. Where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast, and of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. Free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend, all for the low, low price of On the House on all your favorite podcast apps, as well as on YouTube. So please go and subscribe. And also, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right. On today's show, as promised, it is a wonderful crossover event with John Corrales from Locked On Celtics, one of my favorite hosts on the entire Locked On NBA channel. We do lots of episodes together, and he's always a treat to talk to. The only acceptable Celtics fan, as I like to refer to him as. And uh, we dug into what's going on with the Celtics. Why are the Vabs vibes so weird? Why is Marcus Smart calling out the whole team? Why does their defense and offense like look not like it should so far this season? Is uh, Ime Odoka's system not really working? We get into all of it, and then you know, John grills me on some Scotty Barnes-related stuff, Pascal Siakam's return, what it's going to mean, and all that. And then we look ahead at some matchup stuff that we're interested in tonight's game. How did the Raptors defend Jason Tatum now that they have this switchable behemoth of a lineup they can roll out? Are they going to continue to throw to his way the way they have historically? How does the loss of Jalen Brown for the Celtics tonight matter as well? How does it kind of play into the whole thing? It's a really good chat, as it always is, with John Corrales. So let's not waste any more time, shall we? Let's get to it. Myself, John Corrales from Locked On Celtics, teeing up Raptors-Celtics tonight. All right, it's time for a little bit of Locked On crossover action. Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors here, along with John Corrales, who I've long said is the only acceptable Celtics fan. John, how you doing, my friend? It's lovely to chat with you. That's
0: a it's <laughs> a very high bar for me to, to meet. <laughs> uh, very happy to be uh, chatting with you again. It's been a little while, but uh, mm-hmm. here we are back. No, you know, no reason to get into anything. In the past just want to focus directly on the future
4: <laughs> well we, we could talk about the game for, from the first week of the season if you'd like we can dig into the intricacies of how it all broke down the scotty barnes of it all if you really want we can but yeah we don't we don't have to necessarily if you'd like uh, to just move forward um but the thing is the celtics haven't moved forward a ton from that game i know they've won a couple games recently but they're four and six they have a negative net rating their, their offense is 22nd in the nba there's like weird vibes coming out of there. Marcus Smart's calling out Brown and Tatum because they can't pass, even though maybe that was less of a sort of like pointed remark than maybe it was out of context. Still it's certainly worth noting that it happened. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you've got, uh, you know, Jalen Brown being definitely traded for Ben Simmons in a rumor that's definitely true. Um, yes. The vibes are weird with the Celtics team, John. What the hell is going on over there in Boston? <laughs>
0: um, a lot of kind of growing pains and um yeah it's 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 a lot with the new coach the you know guys growing into certain roles this is the first year where the Celtics this group of Celtics hasn't had a kind of main guy outside of Tatum and Brown like those guys were always kind of supporting a Kemba or Kyrie or even an Isaiah Thomas and mm-hmm. now now it's their now this is their team so this is a a little bit of a shift. Ime Doka is bringing in a lot of new stuff, like the, the defensive stuff that they've been trying to kind of impart on the team. He said that it might not have been natural for a lot of these guys. So the first part of the season here, definitely all of October and uh, into the early part of November here was sort of an extended preseason in a lot of ways. And we're starting to see things turn around. We are. and And this is why I think the Toronto game is such a – it is actually good to look back on that game
1: mm-hmm. because
0: I, I I think that this is going to be a real important test for the Celtics because all of the things that the Celtics have improved on uh, over the course of the Orlando Miami even the Dallas game even though they lost that on the buzzer beater the things that the Celtics have improved on are all of the things that Toronto is good at right and you know getting in, getting to the rim getting out in transition offensive rebounding. The Celtics have improved in a lot of these areas here. So let's see how real this is. The the Raptors are the best team at doing all of those things that the Celtics have faced so far. So let's see, can, can they go out there on Wednesday night and actually play the type of defense that they've shown they can play and limit Toronto? If they can, now you say, all right, now we're really making some progress here. If they can't, it's like, all right, well, then, then there's, they're, they're further behind than we thought.
4: So what has been the defensive changes, or what have been, if I'm going to use proper grammar, uh, what have been the defensive changes that Emeodokas brought in? Because, you know, obviously, like, it seems like the raw parts are there for a very good defensive team. Seems like they're switching a lot more. Is that kind of the deal? Like, are they doing, like, egregious, like, why are you switching this action type things as well? Like, what what's been... The deal with the defense and you know thinking about it in the context of the raptors game i mean the raptors obviously have not been a very good half court offense i believe they're number 25 in offensive efficiency per cleaning the glass they have been like pretty moribund there they also have the league's lowest assist rate and they they, they, they just kind of get bogged down you know they bring pascal siakam back on sunday you would expect maybe he's got a little bit more sort of juice and legs to his game than he did on sunday for wednesday night's <laughs> game but like, how is the new look Celtics defense, do you think, you know, sort of geared towards potentially stopping this Raptors team now that it's had some time to, you know, work on the, the quirks that weren't quite there in the first week of the season?
0: So I think the number one thing that the Celtics have been doing is they've been helping a lot better. And and mm-hmm. yeah, Ime brought in like, the whole thing was switch, 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 switch. And the uh, it, it really he put it in and went kind of overboard with it on purpose. Where mm-hmm. he said, let's let's just really hammer home switching everything like switch everything this way guys can learn basically how to how to communicate, how to right. handle the switches, how to you know read uh, the, the, the the what the offense is doing and and accommodate for like oh, they're gonna slip, this is how we're gonna react when they slip the screen on the switch. So all of those things, he admittedly they went overboard. I call it a sort of immersion therapy. <laughs> for for the Celtics where it was never going to be the level of switching defense that it was to start the season. But because it was so obvious that the, they are switching gee, they're you just look in a certain direction, and they're going to switch. <laughs> and like so it became a big topic of conversation. And, and the email was like, look, I'm, I'm doing this for a reason to get these guys comfortable with the switching because. You have guys coming in from other systems that didn't switch a lot. you got Hmm. guys in in Boston like Robert Williams who didn't didn't switch really, but now he's going to be out guarding the perimeter, which is completely new. And he had a real tough time kind of navigating all of that stuff. Now that they've kind of gotten through that portion and now are, are instituting a lot more drop coverages, switching but not switching one through five, switching one through four, switching certain actions but not every action, that type of stuff has settled them down a little bit. They've kind of figured out the communication a little bit more and they're helping a whole lot more. And and really with t- the the first Toronto game there were a lot of breakdowns where yeah. you you guys just got s- like red carpet, you know, here's the rim, go ahead. <laughs> uh, and I think I think what we've seen over the Celtics over the past few days and real over the past five games is a, a much more communicative, helping defense that will at least prevent some of that from happening. And and hopefully, as they go on, they can prevent more of it from happening.
4: Yeah, that's really well put. And, you know, this is a really fascinating matchup when it comes to that because, you know, the Raptors, like I said, low assist rate, they've been an ISO heavy quite a bit this season. And so I think they're comfortable sort of working in one on one situations and trying to find mismatches. It's just there's not that many mismatches to exploit when the Celtics are at their best, right? Like maybe if you get Al Horford on a switch on the perimeter, you can blow by, but he's Al Horford. Like he's got that figured out in, in, you know, from many, many years of being seasoned, Uh, you know, Robert Williams, like really tough to get space against. He's just so fluid and quick on the perimeter. You're probably waiting for like bench guys to come in, frankly, if you're going to be hunting those matchups, because there's not really someone in that starting five that you can kind of say, all right, Pascal, this is your food. Go eat it type of thing throughout the game. Um, so that's going to be a fascinating sort of storyline to watch in this game. I want to let you throw some Raptors related things my way, John, we'll get to that in one second here, but first we should probably tell the good people out there about built bar, uh, the best tasting protein bars you can find. They're amazing. And they have a wonderful array of flavors and their flavors that will bode well for you in Thanksgiving season, John, you guys celebrate Thanksgiving at a weird time too close to Christmas for my liking, but either way. American Thanksgiving is coming up, and that means uh, you got lots of desserts that are going to be going down your gullet. Well, what if instead of having that 300 calorie piece of pecan pie, you had yourself a built bar instead? You can still have all the indulgent stuff you want for the dinner, but maybe your dessert is where you say, Oh, you know what? I'm going to be smart here and have something that's better for me. Most built bars have only 130 calories and just four grams of sugar, plenty of protein, protein as well. Pro team? They're maybe pro your team. I'm not sure. They're pro the U S track and field team. I know that replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar, replace a raspberry built bar with that raspberry, sorry, raspberry pie with that raspberry built bar. You get lots of great flavors to replace any pie or sweet treat you might want to have around the holidays. They're low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built bar is great. Uh, it's a great option when you're hungry, and if it's uh, you know Thanksgiving's not too soon enough for you, it doesn't mean you have to wait. You can have a built built bar now. You can have two right now. It doesn't matter. You can share some at your family gatherings. I'm imagining John walking into his Thanksgiving gathering with just a bucket full oh, of built I'm bars, full. tossing them out to the people across the room. That sounds like a great thing to me. And those flavors that he might be tossing out to his family members could be some of the limited-time flavors that appear at Built.com regularly. So go check out the site. It's the holiday season. they got lots of seasonal flavors in there. And there's nothing as well like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar because Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at (laughs) Built.com. All right, John, grill me. Throw me some Raptors questions, baby. All
0: right, let me start with this. Pascal Siakam's back. How much is he going to screw up what you guys have been doing?
4: (laughs) Woo! the spicy
0: American
4: question. Uh, No. (laughs) I don't think he's going to screw it up at all. I I think it's going to take some time to sort of figure out the hierarchy and the pecking order. I would imagine – If you're Gary Trent Jr., you're probably going to be taking fewer shots just because you should probably take fewer shots when you're the fourth or fifth best player on the floor at any given time. Um, But I I think in a lot of ways, Pascal makes it easier for everybody else and kind of knocks everybody down one spot in the pecking order and kind of puts guys in a position to really succeed. I think you're going to see with OG Ananobi – who, you know, has carried an enormous usage rate so far this season and just like a huge burden offensively. He's been trying to create for the team quite a bit. Sometimes he gets bogged down, sometimes he blows by dudes and yams on them. It's kind of been a 50-50 proposition. But I think the opportunities that OG's gonna get to exploit, you know, a rotating defense, a defense that's not totally paying attention to him as the number one option. It's only gonna help him. I mean, he's been a really effective catch-and-shoot guy. He's a wonderful cutter. You know, he can work coming off of screens and getting downhill. And I think he's going to get to do a lot more of those things where he scores efficiently because Pascal is in tow and Pascal gets to be the guy who's sort of the hub of the offense. And that's going to be a huge thing. I think Fred VanVleet has to initiate fewer than 100% of the offensive possessions now, which is very good because it's great. As Fred VanVleet is, and as you know, refined as his passing has become this season, he's got that mid-range game as a bit of a counter. You know, he's still not a sort of true blue number one, had the ball in his hands every single possession type of point guard, and that's okay because he's a wonderful relocation point guard who can bomb threes away on you like nobody's business. And I think having Siakam back, you know, he doesn't have to be, you know, Fred running every every pick and roll or starting every action. It can be Pascal at the top of the arc running a pick and roll, running a dribble handoff. And Fred can make use of his really great relocation on the rest of the floor. And then again, you're kind of, you know, shoving everyone down one spot. The one guy who it could affect sort of shot wise is the guy who tormented the the Celtics in the last game, which is Scotty Barnes. He had 25 points in that game. You know, he only took seven shots in Siakam's first game against the Nets on Sunday. He had foul trouble. So it's probably not a super indicative number, but I don't think he's going to be putting up 19 attempt games very often now that Pascal is back. And, you know, you could argue whether that's a good thing or not. I think he's going to have a lot of easy buckets, though. I think he's still going to be able to crash the offensive glass the way he did in that Celtics game and has done all year and and get easy points out of that. And I also think the other thing that Siakam really helps with is they can have good players on the floor for the entire stretch of games. You know, they're not going to be doing these sort of one starter with four bench guys, staggered groups. They've seemed pretty uh you know on Sunday at least they seem pretty sort of focused on making sure that two of their four best guys which is Barnes OG Siakam and Fred were out there together which I think just kind of makes them a better more sort of well-rounded team across 48 minutes so contrary to what your American ass might think John Pascal Siakam (laughs) will not ruin the Raptors even if it might take a few games here for things to kind of figure themselves out and have everyone kind of reestablish their new roles now that he's in tow. That's, that's basically, that's all I wanted to hear because I know it's going to take a little bit
0: of time for <laughs> yeah. Pascal to, like, look, this is, it's, it's certainly not a knock on, on Siakam. It's, it's more of just a, things have been going okay for yeah. for Toronto and now you're throwing Siakam in there and it's, it's just new and it's going to, it's going to throw the timing off. I think and it's just Celtics
4: people and their damn Ewing theory, man. I, I don't know what to do.
0: Uh. <laughs> Um, it's, it's kind of wild to me how this year's Raptors team has kind of flipped from last year's Raptors team. This year's Raptors team is top 10 in two point. Like I'm I'm looking at the the, the league ranks ranking right now. Mm -hmm. Number three in two point attempts. Number 23 overall in three point attempts flipped that from last year where you were fourth overall in three point or three point attempts. How does the team go from one year to the next? and changed so drastically. I mean, is it, it can't just be Kyle Lowry, is it?
4: No, I mean, look, I think you have to take everything that happened last year with an enormous grain of salt because it was like a fake season for the Raptors. They were good, yes. and then their best players all got COVID at the same time, and they went 1-13 in in the month of March because no one was around. And I think, you know, the back half of the season, I kind of – think about it the same way that I think about garbage time in an NBA game. There's a reason cleaning the glass adjusts for garbage time. It doesn't mean anything. I would (laughs) argue that the back part of last season doesn't matter a whole lot either. You know, you had Gary Trent Jr. Coming in and, you know, he was probably responsible for most of those threes because he was just coming in and firing away, you know, without much conscience, which, you know, it was fun to watch. I guess there wasn't really anything to (laughs) else to get excited about. Chris Boucher put up a ton of threes. Like, That team needed to put up threes because they had no other pathway to scoring, no other pathway to winning. They had no rim pressure whatsoever. They had no pick and roll threat with their bigs. And now there's a little bit more in terms of guys who can get downhill, who can get to the basket. You know, OG has gotten a lot better with it, even though there's still some room for refinement in terms of his finishing through contact, stuff like that. Scotty Barnes just lives at the rim. And, like, I think, you know, a big part of why they get so many twos is that they miss a lot of their other shots and collect offensive rebounds, and those tend to be shots from two feet away. So that's probably juicing up those numbers a little bit as well. And I just think, you know, they... The, the, I think they value easy twos, you know, every team values, that's an easy, not very intelligent thing to say, but like, I think they know that their bread is buttered around the rim right now. I think they know that, you know, Scotty Barnes can be an easy source for them. I think they know Ken Birch can be a source of eight points in the paint as he flashes to the, to the key. I think Precious Achua as well, you know, as much as he's sort of dabbled in shooting threes, he's really doing his damage around the rim as well. They've got a lot of guys who are rim-based. And then you've got like Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet as well. And, you know, they've worked in this mid-range game. Trent kind of always had it, but he's really been going to it a lot this season as a counter to really strong closeouts. And Van Vliet's kind of had to establish that sort of 18-footer because he can't really score at the rim. And he needs that extra option to either make it easier for him, draw the defense out so there's a little bit more space for him to operate when he does blow by a guy, or just as a, you know, instead of me trying a layup, Maybe I can make this my new layup type of thing. Um, you know, I would expect they're probably going to go back up in three point percent or like just the sort of shot share now that Pascal is back because he does a lot of that sort of post up and then kick and swing type of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would expect that. Some guys, they work into the rotation. I'm sure Malachi Flynn will get some more run here. He's pretty three-point heavy in a way that Delano Banton is not, for example. You know, it's been, I would say, more small sample weirdness, but also, like, they're they're getting their buckets at the rim. That's where they've been most successful, so why not keep doing it, I guess.
0: I mean, yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, especially when you can get out into transition the way you do. Like, even if you miss in transition, you follow it up, and sure, that makes total sense. Uh, Which brings me to Scotty Barnes. Yes. And I'll wrap up my... Ask Sean Woodley anything, uh <laughs> um,
4: I mean, yes, he is the best player of all time. Uh, yes. Okay. Great. Uh, yep, Thank okay. you. Well, then, then, then yep. we're done.
0: Well, um, <laughs> I mean, he, he sure looked like that against the Celtics. Uh, mm-hmm. How how surprised? Like, just tell me how much you love Scotty Barnes, and how surprising oh. is it? Like, when you know, take us to the draft, and mm-hmm. when your reaction when he was picked, and now when you see him playing, is it is there like a oh oh okay kind of thing Hmm. going on
4: yeah i mean at the draft i think i had talked myself into sugs just because that's what everyone was telling me to do Uh, i don't really profess to know much about the draft so i just go on what smart people say and use those points as my own basically um always sourcing them but uh still like i'm not a draft person by any means so I like I was expecting Suggs. I think I was excited about the idea of like handing the keys over from Kyle Lowry to another guard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when the Raptors decided to take the six foot-nine dude who plays really good defense and passes well, I you know, I'm not upset because they have a track record of turning those guys into something special. So I, I I'm not surprised he was the guy that they wanted, you know, just sort of looking at their track record. And I I, I certainly, however, am surprised by how ready he looks to be an NBA player. I mean, he's just He's enormous. He's six foot nine. To me, he looks like he's seven foot three when he's on the floor. He just looks <laughs> yes, like he, he takes does. up more space than other people. His arms go for days. He's just everywhere, and he just has this like patience about him. Where a lot of rookies and like you know veterans, sometimes you'll see them kind of oh the clock is this and oh the you know we have this, this sort of matchup. I gotta you know expedite this immediately and start the offense right away. He just like, you know, I'm Scotty Barnes. You guys can use, move at my speed. It's fine. I will find the right option. I will find the right passing outlet or whatever, or I'll take my own shot and it's fine. And, and I guess that's the most surprising thing is the fact that he's like bombing threes, not threes, bombing mid-range jump shots, like basically every game. And, and that's been a delight to watch. Very surprising wrinkle to his game that nobody expected him to have. I mean, he was branded as a zero level scorer coming out of college from a lot of people. And, you know, he now is like, automatic around the basket because he's got that touch and feel, which maybe shouldn't be totally surprising. And now he's got that mid-range game that he's working in as well, which I think is just kind of a testament to you know his ability to, to add to his game, the Raptors development staff and all of that. It's been a pleasant surprise, but like when you think about it, Raptors draft 6'9 guy, fourth overall with incredible tools who can't quite shoot. Doesn't exactly surprise you that they've turned him into something good already. And, and I'm really excited for what it could be down the line.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Uh, but would it be safe to say that you wouldn't have bet on Scotty Barnes being this good so so far? You're
4: just a damn pro, John. Do the read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball, football, whatever action. This season, head on over to the updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today, use the promo code LOCKED ON. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code LOCKED ON. Whatever it is that you want to bet on basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, could have bet on that Canelo fight the other day. Uh, your favorite Vegas casino games, take advantage of the amazing offers right now. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund, guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So, we got a game on Wednesday night.
4: There is a game. We should talk and, about the game. Yeah, we should. Uh, in terms of, so yeah, let me let me kind of start off with this. Um, in, in terms of like matchup stuff that you're intrigued by in the second edition of this matchup this season. Obviously, they played each other a bazillion times before. We know, you know, the Jalen Brown guards Pascal Siakam pretty well. Jason Tatum is Jason Tatum. Has trouble with the Raptors' defense. He said it as much himself. Um, is there a specific matchup you're intrigued by tonight? You know, in, in terms of how. Things kind of stack up, you know, a little bit of an edge that one team might have over the other. Well, what do you have your eye on? Well, I, I so I'm
0: actually I'm really interested in what you said about Jason Tatum, because Tatum is going to be the obvious focal point. With no Jalen Brown, who's going to be out for at least a week or so, the focus is going to be on on Tatum, and we're starting to maybe see this evolution from Jason Tatum if if. The, this past week is showing us anything. It might be like, you know, you, you see a little kid, you take that first step and maybe he falls back and you're like, oh, 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 maybe. Tatum making quick decisions, getting rid of the ball, but then now finding a way to get it back. Mm-hmm. I want to see that level from Jason Tatum because what we've started to see from Tatum is, okay, he's getting blitzed, now he's giving the ball up. Can he get the ball? First of all, make a decision quick enough to attack the defense before getting blitzed. Mm -hmm. Secondly, can he get the ball? And if he can't make that decision fast enough or the, the double comes quickly, can he get rid of the ball and then find a way to cut, do whatever, set a screen, get the ball back Mm -hmm. and score, uh, we saw against the, the the Mavs the the two edges of this sword where for the first 30, 40 minutes, of the, I'd say 40 minutes of the game, forty a little bit more than that, Tatum was playing as good a game as I've ever seen him play. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just that he was hot shooting, it was that he was snatching those rebounds, bringing the ball right down the middle of the floor, making decisions, moving the ball, starting the offense, it was awesome. And he had he had a great shooting night. Then, over the course of the last few minutes of the game, especially, the Celtics didn't get a shot or didn't score a bucket over the last few minutes. Tatum didn't get a shot over the last four minutes or so.
4: Mm-hmm. And it was
0: like, as soon as the Mavericks started doubling him and he gave up the ball, he never was able to get it back. Right. So that's what I want to see. I want him to, to have a few days of film, I want him to have a few days of preparation. And if he can't, if we can't see some sign of him trying it in this game, then it's going to be just a touch disappointing. Not that I think it's never going to happen, but here it is fresh. Mm -hmm. And Ime Odoka talked about it in the, in the media sessions after the past, the past couple of practices, this is a focus. And so I want to see the execution doesn't even have to be successful. I just have to see it attempted and I want to see what they're trying to do because that's going to happen a lot over the course of his career. I want to start seeing what those steps are going to be.
4: Yeah. And I'm really curious to see how the Raptors actually defend Tatum in this game. Cause we know their whole MO with stars the last couple of years has been, all right, send two to the star and deal with the rest on the other side and count on your rotations and your discipline. And the fact that you're on a string to make it. So you're all right. They, are probably going to start small in this game, which is one thing that should be noted. It sounds, you know, that's what they did on Sunday. I would imagine they're going to do it again, especially since Kem Birch is not available. Uh, He'll be missing the next two games, at least for the Raptors, which is a bummer because Kem Birch is fun and cool and stabilizes things. But the starting five of Van Vliet, Trent, Siakam, Ananobi, and Barnes has an interesting sort of advantage that it can pull out and it can just switch a whole bunch. And like, I don't think you're upset if any one of Ananobi- barnes or siakam even gary trent with the way he's been just an absolute ball pest this season i don't think you're upset with any of those mismatches if you just switch those guys onto tatum and and so i'm curious to see like are they going to be their their hyper aggressive selves or do they look at this team that doesn't have jalen brown available so that's like one less outlet for tatum to sort of dish it to do you trust that marcus smart dennis schroeder uh you know, Robert Williams and Al Horford are going to burn you if you do send to, to Jason Tatum. It's a really interesting sort of uh, philo- philosophical thing that I'm curious to see how the Raptors go with it, but that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. And then I guess the other thing too is, can the Raptors, if they're going to play small, which again, I expect them to do, like do they sort of exploit the rebound advantage they had the last time the Celtics played them? Um, right now, the Raptors are number three in rebounding rate. They're number one in offensive rebounding rate by a mile. The Celtics are bottom 10 in defensive rebounding rate, bottom 10 and over, bottom three in overall rebounding rate. Like, how does that kind of play in here? Because even if the Celtics have their like really, you know, stout switch heavy defense and have kind of mastered it. I'm a little bit concerned that you know if they're gonna get slammed on the offensive boards again because that's what the Raptors do is there you know have they done any tweaks to kind of work around that Do you th- feel like the Williams horford front court against the smaller Raptors configuration will be enough to withstand? I'm curious how you sort of think that's all gonna play out well, yeah the, I, I think you no, know, we look at the
0: overall uh rebounding percentage, I'm just. Adjusting for the last three games, hmm. they've moved up to 20th, <laughs> which is when, <laughs> you, when, you, when you go from 27 <laughs> to 20, you've moved up seven. So I can say the spin zone is the Celtics have moved up seven spots over the last three games. A quarter defensive. of the league it, almost, yeah. sort of. Uh, so they are, they are getting better, but they, they are, are certainly not where they need to be. Uh, hmm. In the defensive rebounding rate, they're still 18th overall. Uh, over the last three games, looking for like the improvement there, this this has to be a point of emphasis because if they if they come out after the last Raptors game and they start giving up offensive rebounds, then the first thing people should say is, "Do you guys watch any film?" You keep <laughs> saying you watch film, but did you do you not like? This is all set up for the Celtics to correct a mistake to write a wrong, if you will, mm-hmm. because they that was the Celtics home opener. Yeah. And they got booed off the floor, blown the hell out, and everything went wrong. So if they're not looking for uh bodies to to hit when a shot goes up, then what are we doing here? Yeah. Right? Like if you're not getting back on defense, what are you doing here? These are the things that that cost you the game against this team. You have this unique opportunity with three days off to correct some of the things you've been doing wrong, the slippage and all that stuff, but to also game plan for what you're hoping is your first home win of the season. Mm-hmm. This really is an important game for Boston. Like, and it's not a must win, but they've lost three games in a row at home. They have this loss. Um, and then they have the 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 Chicago meltdown right before this trip, so it's y- you can't go back into the Garden and lose to the Raptors again. Mm-hmm. This this so I'm not I'm I'm trying not to like blow it out of proportion, but this is an important early season test. Like I said before, you know that they've they've crushed you on the boards. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely crushed you on the boards. Um, So you have to fix that. You know they crushed you in transition. You've got to fix that. And you know that if you can set your defense and get them into the half court, you can stop them and you can get out into transition and make up for the loss of Jalen Brown that way. Yeah. So it's really on the Celtics defense, which is supposed to be what Emeo Doka's, you know, entire reputation is based on what it's supposed to be what a lot of these Celtics reputations are are based on. So all of the things that you're mentioning, like, yeah, it's a fear it, but it's, it's partly of it. it, Part of it is the fear that geez, I hope they don't screw this up again. (laughs)
3: Like, and
0: I don't want to take credit away from Toronto because you know, you have to, that's the one thing that I was saying before the game was Look, if you if you mess around with the Raptors, like they're not just a team that might be in a little bit of disarray and figuring itself out or whatever. That That's a team that's always going to play their asses off. No yeah. matter who's on that team, that mm-hmm. team is going to work hard. And you know, Sean, in the NBA, working hard is going to win you a few games every season, no matter who you are. Like when you have
4: 35
0: just by trying. right? <laughs> you know, so it's like, the teams that just try every night. Look at the mm-hmm. Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets are a team that try every night. Like, give them credit. They try every day and they're picking some teams off here and there. They're not great, mm-hmm. but they're either losing tough games or they're in it. Um, so, anyway, I, I just I, I think this is a, a really, really important test for the Celtics because they have supposedly improved over the past few games and all of the things they need to do to, to beat a Toronto Raptors team uh, they're supposed to be better at all of the things that Toronto does well and stopping those things. So, if they can't, if they can't keep them off the boards, if they can't do all this other stuff, then that that could be like a new most disappointing loss because you actually had time <laughs> to prepare for this. Like, you watch The Simpsons? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Remember when when Bart um, actually like he he prayed for the snow day and he actually studied. And like he failed and and Mr. Krabappel was like, yeah, what do you do? You fail all the time. But he was like, he's crying. He's like, but I actually tried in this one. I truly <laughs> tried. He's like bawling. And I'm like, that's that's what the Celtics will be if they lose this game to the Raptors, especially if they lose in a similar way that they lost the first one.
4: Love to leave things off on a Simpsons reference. I, I find it offensive as a almost 30-year-old white guy uh, that you had to ask me if I've ever watched the Simpsons before. Come on, dude. Um, I know know the stereotypes. I lean into them. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But one last note I wanted to make just before wrapping up is I think um, this could be a game where Nick Nurse does the thing where he coaches it like it's a playoff game. It's the first night of a back-to-back. Their second night is in Philly against the depleted Sixers team, so maybe they don't need sort of full steam ahead to even win that game. And I wonder if especially Pascal Siakam is only going to play the first half of the back-to-back if we see something like we saw against the Knicks a week and a half ago, yeah. where the Raptors like sold out, played other guys forty minutes, didn't make it a sub in the entire third quarter just to win the game, this could be one of those Nick Nurse feel type games where they try to you know put out all the stops. But um, that feels like a good place to leave this one, John. This was a lovely time as always. Love chatting with you about uh, the Raptors and Celtics whenever they play. And uh, where can people check out all of your wonderful work? Oh, well, my wonderful work is nowhere to be found, but my other work <laughs> is all over.
0: <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. Uh, I'll tweet it all out, but I do cover the team for Boston Sports Journal. And obviously, Monday through Friday on the Lockdown Celtics podcast, which is free everywhere podcasts exist and on YouTube.
4: There you go. Uh, thank you as always for making uh, I guess locked on raptics. Uh, <laughs> uh, your first listen of the Let's day, launch that. Uh, yeah. There we go. Uh, just the podcast where everyone hates each other who listens to it. That's a good way to build a community, right? Um, but yeah, you can find me, of course, at Woodley Sean on Twitter. You can read my blogs at raptorshq.com and uh, so much more. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. With another locked on crossover, or probably just our own versions of the podcast after the Raptors and Celtics play. Bye bye.